0: Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. Hit
1: the fog machine. What's happening? Blunts and blondes. (laughs)
2: They call me Cowboy Mike.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: we were gonna set up a fog machine to open the show in here, almost like one of your shows, and then we realized we're in a room with no windows, and that might ruin the hour that we kick it
3: with you. So we're just hot have been a Sick it. moment though, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: That'd have been a cool couple seconds. Yeah, and then a flamethrower, something. <sighs> just get it. Just burn this place down. <laughs>
3: yeah, EDC style. Exactly. <laughs> it I mean, is as hazy as we it would have been with a fog machine, though. With that blunt you're smoking. That's so true.
2: Do you guys want to hit it? Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, let's smoke. Oh. Uh, do you prefer Blunts, Blunts and Blondes, or Mike? Oh, I don't care. You can just call me Mike, Blunts,
1: whatever you want. Uh, well, my name is Mike, too. Do you think we'll get it confused? We'll just go by Blunts, then. Make let's it easy. Let's do Blunts. Yeah. Cool. Even though Guard, I feel like, did you grow up in Florida, and your last name is what you went by? Everyone called you Guard? No. So, I grew up in florida for a
2: little bit I, I was born in florida and then i moved to texas for a little bit and then i moved back to florida because my dad was in the military so i had to move around a little bit i was remember sitting in my english class and i was like the first question the college professor first college professor i me a question i thought i was going to be like some academic and i was like i'm gonna change i'm mike now i'm not michael i'm not i am mike mm-hmm. and that was a big deal for me i don't know why it was a big deal but ever since then i went by mike
3: I, uh, similarly, I was named Mary Jane after my great aunt, but when I was little, everyone just called me Jane. And then when I went to school, I went away to school and I was like, I'm going to claim the whole thing. Like, yeah. that's much better. It's cool. feels more me. And Mike. you get to pick it. And you get, yeah. And it, then it's yours. Yeah. Yeah. Dope.
1: But what about the blondes part? Cause I immediately thought of this brownie called a blondie. And I was like, I wonder if he's like into brownies.
2: <laughs> I do love brownies. The blondes was, uh. The Blunts and Blondes name is, you know, let's be real. It's kind of ridiculous. (laughs) So. uh, (laughs) Um, But I didn't think that I was going to have as much success as I was going to have. And I really didn't think it through that much. But I don't regret it at all. I love my name. I love I smoke weed so much. It's my favorite thing about my whole life is marijuana, which is weird. But like it helps me so much. Helps me with my anxiety. Helps me with everything. But the. So I had blunts, because I, I was just like, okay, blunts. But I was on the patio of my boy's apartment, and I was just saying random shit, and I said blunts and blondes, and it rolled off the tongue. And I had a blonde girlfriend at the time, and I was like, cool, it'll work. And then we just went with it.
1: Wow. <laughs> the, ep- this episode is brought to you by not overthinking it and just going with the flow while stoned. I try not to overthink anything, because then I get, if I overthink things,
2: that's a big problem, because, like you know, anxiety yeah and then just if you start overthinking things nothing gets done so i just don't overthink things you just
3: roll with it i try to um can we just go all the way to the beginning for all of our listeners who were getting to know you for the first time like for sure yeah like
2: how like how everything started how
3: everything started i mean because how music was invented yeah yeah (laughs) when the first beat dropped ever in history
2: i think somebody (laughs) dropped a rock and they're like, that sounds cool. <laughs>
1: right? Yo, drop it again in four. <laughs> four. <laughs> totally.
2: But no, I was um I just grew up, you know, in like a regular Florida kid, just, you know, trying to play sports, trying to do all that stuff. And then um
3: Which sports did you like?
2: I played baseball and golf. I played golf. And then so I was just doing my thing and then I was like shitty at school for a while. Like when I got to like middle school and high school. So like I was just like Cause I was just smoking weed and doing dumb stuff. And what it's so funny cause weed is like, it does so many cool things, but it also like ruins your life at the same time. <laughs> <For> real. <laughs> but um, after like, I, I got kicked out of school for trapping my junior year. And then I had to go to a private school in Orlando. Um, and I had to get, I had to go a year of drug testing cause they were like, it was some deal my grandma set up. And then through that year being sober, and, like, I thought I was going to go to college to be a ball player, and I went on, I went to college not on scholarship. I tried to walk on, and I was like, this is not high school baseball. This is the hardest thing I've seen in my life, and I'm not doing this. Yeah. So now it was just at college. Just...
0: Wait, can I
1: guess your baseball position? For sure. You're smoking with your left, right hand. Yeah. <laughs> right field? No. Short. Do you
2: think I'm trash?
1: Is right field trash?
2: Do you really just think, you just, the first position you said I'm right field, do you think I'm trash at baseball? Third base. We can, we can go out to the field right now. Okay, what do
1: we got? What's going on? You're a pitcher. No. Yeah, I pitched. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I, yeah, that makes so much sense. I can see you like rocking EDC behind a bunch of decks or I can see you on the mound. Either way, game's on your shoulders. I have a great feeling when the game is on my shoulders, no matter like what experience I'm in or what
2: situation. But you like that feeling of like I the responsibility. It's like pressure, responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's just like so much. Cause I like be fucking up a lot. Just like at my, I just you know, my house. I don't clean that shit enough. I break my stuff sometimes because I'm just lazy. But <laughs> when I have people counting on me, it's like you have to do that and you have to do your best. So just, yeah. it it surprises me a lot when I like get put in situations and you can do cool things.
3: And it sounds like you like fulfilling other people's dreams in a way like being a great pitcher is like bringing it home for your whole team like you know playing that set at edc is like making everyone feel great
2: i think all pitchers just have an ego problem <laughs> for real <laughs> yeah like yeah. we're just like we're the best on the field we're better than everybody i don't even know why i'm here right now but i'm gonna play even if i'm getting like i just lost i just got lost by eight you know i don't care it's not my fault my fielders didn't catch the ball yep so as long as that's that i had to deal with that for a while mm-hmm and then, uh, then I became a DJ, which was like even worse, right? <laughs> and
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's the first time I've ever heard a DJ say that. Uh,
2: but well, when I went to college, I like started raving, and I, I found like this kind of music, and I was like, "Wow, this is really cool." And then I started trying to like make music on the computer, like trying to DJ on virtual DJ and stuff like that. And I started DJing around uh, college bars, doing like open format, just doing regular college work. And then um, I had I just surrounded myself with a couple of friends of mine who like really liked the music, and we started partying a lot, just going out. And then we kind of just fell into the scene in Florida. And then I started DJing like electronic clubs, EDM clubs and shows, and then I started playing music and stuff like that. And then eventually I was just like, this is the coolest thing I've ever done in my life, and I have an opportunity. So I'm going to start really putting forward a lot of effort, and that's where we're here
3: now. Here we are. Yeah. Can you
2: slide me one of those ashtrays?
3: So you, you dropped an album this year?
2: I did. It was my first album. Super proud of it. But it was, I'm um, going on a tour, like an album tour in October through January. So it should be a good time. But it was really cool. I was really proud of it.
3: Can you talk about making the album? Like how how did you conceptualize it? Did you have a bunch of tracks that you were like, these are all just going to live together? Or did you write, like did you create as you were recording?
2: So the I had an idea for the album. It's called Story of a Stoner. So just like... uh just different things that influenced me and made me a, who I am today mm-hmm. with the album. and um. But the problem I had with it was like, it's a dubstep dance music album, right? So people want to go, people want to party, people want to go nuts. But I wanted to be able to put some content, some feeling into it so I can like, and it's kind of hard to put words that mean, that are supposed to like move emotion when the drop is just like wop wop wop, crunchy crunch crunch yeah. crunch. yeah. And um, so it was a hard thing for me to do, but I think I did a good job at like making a good mesh. But um, now that the album came out and I've been playing shows and stuff, I've realized that like the album isn't necessarily a show album because I'd be playing the songs and like I do see the energy go down because it's like slower song or like it's a some like it's a slower thing. So I've been trying to like make. A different version of the album, for like a deluxe version that's a little bit more high energy. But that was really comp like, that was the first time I ever had to like really think about that stuff because I was getting like really mentally fucked. Wait, can I cuss? Yeah, yeah, no, fuck yes, fuck Jay, no, fuck yes,
3: gosh,
2: twat motherfucker cunt.
3: All right, (laughs) twat
2: motherfucking cunt. That's cool. (laughs) But um, that was like went because I've been doing this for I've been blunts and Blondes now for almost eight years now. And it was really fun at the beginning and just like being a creative and learning how to be a professional creative and having the pressure of like it being your job Mm -hmm. was really cool, but it was also scary. But then I started to like, okay, what the fuck am I doing? Like, what is the purpose of this? Am I like really helping these kids out? Am I really, am I really helping me out? Am I doing something that's good for the world? Am I just like doing drugs and wasting people's time? and the music i was making i felt like it was reflecting that i was like i'm just making party music i'm just making you know it's not gonna be remembered after a few months they're just gonna they might remember me but they won't remember my songs were not timeless and um that was a big thing for me trying to do with the album trying to make music that was like i cared about and i was proud about but it was also able to make people still have a good time in the realm that i in.
1: but it was a weird experience for me that's real art, dude It's weird, yeah, um, scary. It sounds scary to be like try and be as vulnerable as you're being right now. I'm working on my first stand up album, and I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say with it, or if it's just enough to just be funny as fuck for forty five minutes, or if like there needs to be more layers underneath it, and the more I'm thinking about the layers that I want to be underneath it the less funny it's getting but the more excited i am about it and it's this weird push push and pull and it's not even out yet like you know (laughs) what i mean dude i have one friend um taboo his name's mitch but his dj name's
2: taboo and he's a comedian he's like he does stand up and stuff and i had this conversation with him not too long ago and i was like it's you have to be a, a ballsy motherfucker right now to be a comedian in this day and age Mm -hmm. and my favorite stand-ups are when i'm laughing but like at the end of the at the end of the stand-up i feel like i was kind of like taught something yeah Mm -hmm. i was like i learned something or like i became a better person throughout the stand-up even though it was funny as shit like maybe i got a cool viewpoint that i didn't understand before or maybe i changed my mind and if you can like lace those little cool things into the funny jokes and i think you do
1: well i think so too especially you talking about how this Album feels slower to a party crowd. I, my, it's not a pushback as much as an ad. I suppose that listening to this album, I would drive around smoking with my good friends, laughing really hard, and there would be memories attached to your music on a more intimate level.
2: See, I learned this. I was really bummed out, but then people told me that exact same thing. They're like, "Yo, like people listen to music other places besides shows, bro. So like, chill
3: out. You're just being a pussy." And I was like, "You're right." Yeah. I get it. Best thing to like crank it up in your car while you're just driving around. It's awesome. I mean, I was listening to it at 9 a.m. with coffee and it was like the perfect way to start my day, you know? So, some blunts and and coffee. Y- yep. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs>
2: I have a rule. It's been, I, I gave it to myself a long time ago because of a dumb reason, but it was because I was making music and I was listening to like dubstep. I was listening to electronic music, listening to what was out at the time. So, every like time who? I was like, who were you fucking yeah. with? Yeah. Well, when I first started, my favorite DJ in the world, and he still always will be, is R.L. Grime. He is my favorite. I saw him when I was really young, and he blew my fucking mind. I was first, just wow. Great times. I've tried to meet him like three or four times, and every time he's like, yeah, like we'll just meet up. And I pussy out every time. Is that right? Don't meet your heroes kind of moment. It's weird. I get like so nervous, and I'm like, ah, I can't do it. And I leave. But it's weird. But I enjoyed, um, When I first got into it, it was like Cruella, you know, Martin Garrix, just like the just really popular stuff that you kind of got into at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then when I got into like, you know, just like kind of more in the scene, I I found this like hip hoppy bass music and dubstep stuff. And I was like, this is really cool. And then I started just meeting people, meeting fans. But like, I don't really listen to electronic music at all. Like like dubstep or anything i like enjoy rap music a lot i like country music i like i like gospels like a weird conversation for me but like i love gospel music because it's just like even if you took the words away it's incredibly powerful yeah but um
1: weird conversation
2: because religion is a tricky subject not necessarily tricky subject but it's like it's been i've had two struggles in my life that I feel have, I've had since I was a child. And one is like, I grew up extremely religious in like a Southern Baptist church. Whoa, whoa. So like, Mm -hmm. I just like, you know, we were in Sunday school. We went to school, we went to Wednesdays and then we went to Saturday nights. Like we were just in the church.
1: Would you kneel next to your bed?
2: I would not kneel. It was like when, when my church would like, they taught you that like, you're always praying. Like your conscious is God. And like when you're talking to your conscious, that's your that's and if you're if you're close with God and you have a good relationship, your conscious, your God speaks through you through your conscious. Whoa, that actually sounds very nice. It it is nice, but it's also very fucking scary. Right. <laughs> Cause I eventually like um I was I took the Bible like a law like law, like whatever this is what it says, this is what it is. And then um I started I, when I got kicked out of school for trapping, I uh, went to a Baptist school where they taught you uh, theology. They taught you history of the Bible, but they didn't like, they just taught you history of the, the times that Bible times were. It wasn't necessarily that we're teaching you the Bible, it was just what's happening. And when I was learning that, they like they just, it started to shake my faith a lot because I was like, okay, a lot of these miracles are actually explainable on a lot of these like things are just like parables. They're not necessarily this is what happened. So like and then I started doing a fuck ton of acid. And I was like, okay, we're <laughs> Yeah. Just well, I thought I was doing acid for a little bit because there's this dude when I moved when I went to college my freshman year, it was a dope college, a little small college. It was cool. But uh the kid at the end of the fucking my RA, that's what they're called, I guess. Yeah. He said uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, I got some acid, like just selling it. Cool turns out it's this 2ci research chemical stuff mm-hmm. and we were just tripping off like metal for like two weeks and um eventually one of our boys older brothers came down and then he was like yo this is not acid <laughs> oh, dude. so we ended up taking like real acid but then for that after your little fun trippy time is over then i started like doing acid for like Intentional purposes, trying to change my mind, trying to get my, like, just trying to think right. But every single time I would do that, I would be brought back to my, like, questioning my faith or another thing that I always problem out, which is even weirder now. But, like, I feel an immense amount of guilt for never serving in the military. Because your pops? Not necessarily. He probably instilled that in me. But, like, he'll tell me to this day, like, never join the military is the stupidest thing you do. And he had we was in it for twenty years. And to this day it's like as an American, how we can like do so many cool things and we don't even realize how many cool things we can do. Like we should put in some time. But like now and when I was in college thinking about like enlisting, the like the mindset has changed like being a patriot now is not being the same thing as a patriot before when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And like w- if you go to the military now, I feel like you wouldn't be necessarily doing patriotic things. So that was weird for me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a real fucking struggle. Dude. Yeah, um, although you're also so in the flow that that does tie into our news story this week in a most beautiful way. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Awesome. Do you want to get to the.
1: Yeah. Let's do the Grubla Gazette.
3: The Grubla Gazette is our news segment. Uh
1: our news this week is from Marijuana Moment.
3: Yeah, shout out Sumo Snacks. Who's? Uh,
1: oh yeah, right love here. a chip.
3: Grab a infused chip for this tasty news. Take some with you on the road. Dude. Yeah, we'll we'll send you with some on the road. These are Sheesh. yeah, they're savory snacks. They're all, each bag is hundred milligrams, and there's like fiery, and this is the classic cheese and salsa verde. is awesome. So
1: do you f- edibles? Do you
3: fuck with edibles?
2: So I like edibles. I like RSO. I like, <laughs> um, I have this like lemon powder stuff that I put in my water like a Gatorade thingy. Ooh! But I do not vape. I do not do any vaping technology whatsoever. I smoke analog things, cigarettes, blunts. If you have a vape, put it
0: down.
1: Just letting y'all know that. Boom, right in the camera. Let's get to the goddamn news. A majority of Americans support psychedelic research for military members and new poll finds as bipartisan reform advances in Congress. So what does that long-ass sentence mean? Basically means most Americans, 54%... let me start that again. 60 percent of Democrats, 45 percent of Republicans and 54 percent of independents all think that psychedelics should be used to help military PTSD, people with post-traumatic stress syndrome. Only 18 percent of Americans say they oppose it. And here's the fucking crazy part. We can stop there or I can talk about all of the lawmakers on both sides of the fence who are down with it.
3: No, I mean, I, I, I'm just interested in digging into the idea that Americans support this. Yeah. Right.
1: Everyone does. it seems. yeah. Everyone. So it just ties right into everything you're saying. like That is crazy because,
2: I mean, you you think the war on drugs is like over, kind of. They, they, they lost. Right. So like legalization should be happening with like a little bit faster. And I know they did this in like Portland or something or, or in Colorado. You can kind of do shrooms right
0: they now. They
3: decriminalized them in Oakland and Denver and a couple of other places. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. But like
2: there's like... It's not like you can't go to the doctor and get like good shrooms that you need that are the right like type of shroom, right? But I enjoy making shroom chocolates. Those are. It's, I learned uh, from her. Yeah, we have a dope little uh little blend. We make two different types of shrooms. Nice. And then we get the chocolate little morsels. I like melting them down. Sometimes I put paprika in the last ba- bla- uh, batch. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> like, stick with the chocolate. Huh? Yeah, it came out bad.
3: Weird. <laughs> i'm uh, about to go to a ketamine trial for the first time oh. and that is quasi it is legal actually it is ketamine is not illegal yeah and that is technically well it's a dissociative i guess right but they're considering it like a psychedelic treatment so i'm interested to see so what ketamine that's about.
2: Is super dope ketamine is used in like a lot of the uh like when you a paramedic
3: and mm-hmm. um, like when
2: you you're hurt paramedics will just come up and give you ketamine and then take care of you because it'll
3: calm you down
2: yeah it'll calm you down they give it to um they use it a lot on like the battlefield when you get shot they just dose you full of ketamine you have no idea what's going on and then you're good Mm -hmm. i use ketamine for um very dumb irresponsible reasons but that's besides the point Mm but my roommate well my uh, he doesn't live with me anymore but him and his girlfriend they do that monthly. They do the uh they go in and they give you like half a gram through an IV over like an hour or something like that mm-hmm. and you just chill and kind of talk to yourself in your head and he says it's super cool.
3: Yeah, I'm interested to see how it works cuz I have uh PTSD and anxiety and that's like weed and mushrooms have been so helpful for both of those things, but I've never done ayahuasca or any of the things that people talk about as the big reset. Um, and so I'm interested to see if ketamine, you know, really has any effect. Cause I, I have a friend who was really stoked to try to, um, deal with depression and was like, it just didn't, didn't do much for me. So
2: ketamine is really cool if like administered by somebody who knows what they're doing, right? If you get the right dosage and you like just, you're in the right environment. It can help you out a lot because it's just super therapeutic and it just makes you sit with yourself. Some of the one of the ketamine clinics in Tampa, they give you the ketamine and they put you in like that floating tank thingy,
3: like a sensory deprivation the sensory tank. tank mm-hmm.
2: And you just sit there for a minute. But like, it's it's really it's really nice. The problem is is like, it is getting so popular that like that, that's a huge problem in the rave scene right now. Right, like, it's being like they used to be all like you know just everybody was just pop and molly and stuff now everybody's just hold everybody's just k'd out oh. wow, it's just
1: like a lot more sitting down yeah a lot more sitting
2: a down.
3: lot more sitting down
2: yeah yeah wow a, it's really weird to see but
3: i feel like there's some profiteering too that's in the ketamine world where people are opening up clinics just to sort of capitalize on yeah. you know and that's never a great feeling for me to think that anything that's meant to heal is something that people are just making bank off of you know
2: can we talk about that yeah okay so like i think that if you make it you can make as much money as you want on that Mm -hmm. and whatever something is worth how much something is worth is how much something somebody's gonna pay for it Mm -hmm. and unfortunately like when you're sick and you need a medication you have to pay like somebody's gonna set a premium you have you don't have a choice so that is kind of like what's what's altering my thought but like Everything else that doesn't like, um like you have a choice. Like you don't. It's like a. It's not a necessity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should be able to set whatever price that is. Right. I am like, this is even gonna sound worse, but like, what the what is wrong with capitalism? That's money's what, tight. That money's so dope, <laughs> <laughs> and working for money makes you such a cool person. Like you learn so many things because. I I grew up with not that much money like the military and he was just gone all the time so my mom was just like we're just chilling but it felt good when I like figured out how to go make some money by myself to go buy me that burger or like buy me my new bat or something like that and yeah right I have a little sister she's in eighth grade right now and she does not know what the fuck money is she doesn't she has no no I just took her to this anime convention mm-hmm. and Jesus Christ, she wanted everything. But I thought I was like, yeah, just like I'll go and it's your, like I'll buy a present for you. Like it's, I'll buy you the ticket. We'll have a good weekend. I'll get you what you want. I left. I probably, it was probably like a thousand dollars, $1,100 that I spent that day just on random anime stuff. But then I made me thought, I was like, does she even like have a concept of the work behind $1,100? It, it it was weird for me, but that's how I just be smoking too much weed and overthinking stuff. And I was yeah. like, I could just be thinking, oh, you're buying your cool sister stuff. But I was thinking, yeah, money. What are they teaching you in school right now? Yeah, blah blah. blah. It was weird.
3: We t- we talk a lot about it a lot on here about the idea of like making money and how everyone should have the right to make money and how, you know, securing what's yours is absolutely like part of the American dream and way. But then also we talk on here a lot about like the predatory capitalism aspect of like big corporate companies coming in and like it's smart. saying to someone who just got like an equity license or a leg- legacy grower like we're going to take what you do really well. And then we're gonna flip that into our corporate capitalist structure and we're gonna profit off of that. And so that's I think the 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 conversation that we're always having on here is like, you know, what's the difference between someone just making a lot of money because they deserve to and they should, and then people predatory like the the predatory aspects of
2: but what makes like so you say you have a person who like maybe catches a good break, or I, I've never I've never really met a super successful person, like a big billionaire.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But like what's to say like that guy didn't grind harder than all of us
3: exactly
1: i try to do a joke about it with jeff bezos (laughs) and it defends him because what dude got three hundred thousand (laughs) dollars that's so funny oh man you do like comedy cool i love it yeah uh so the point of jeff bezos that i look up to is his dad is a unicyclist for the albuquerque circus he asked his family for three hundred thousand dollars to start Amazon, got it from them. That's all the money they had to have. and then he sat in a garage and sold books forever until it actually started happening for himself. And so I do hear you on the hard work pays off aspect, you know,
2: hard work pays off, but I think like you like for instance, me being a dj me like i I came up in a time where like the scene was really like um there's just a lot of people trying right Mm -hmm. and i got lucky and named myself blunts and blondes so if you saw blunts and blondes on a flyer you wouldn't even care what the fuck i played you were like oh cool (laughs) blunts weed and blondes this is going to be a good time Mm -hmm. and um i just was i didn't put myself i mean i guess i the my my journey put myself in these situations but like when i met my manager i got I, i was just in a spot where he saw me and was able to see me play and he liked it. So we talked and that grew. And then I just, I feel like I won the lottery because there's so many other kids and so many other kids that are my age at the same time working just as hard as I was doing the same thing. I was, Their music was even better, but they just weren't in the right place, right time. Yeah. And that was like, I feel like that sometimes gives me, cause I still have, you know, self doubt, the imposter syndrome type, type stuff. But like, I also can't discredit my work that I did,
1: and it's a weird thing to do. Oh, but sorry, I'm loving this discussion, man. Jane. On the I'm predatory having the best freaking time. Are you? Yes, cool. yeah. Because like on the predatory capitalist part that we talk about on here that drives both of us nuts, especially in cannabis. Like people coming in, knowing nothing, slinging money around, and then all of a sudden they like have made a spot for themselves that is way over everyone who has been grinding forever. Like and Mad Men. There we go, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: totally. so that was the worst experience of my life. Like, I, so I had my other manager, who she doesn't work with me anymore, but she she stopped working in the music industry to work in the cannabis industry. She moved out here and got a really good job at MedMen, doing like a social media director thingy like that. And then six months later, she left MedMen and started working with uh, Connected. And I was like, "Why did you do that?" Like, I thought MedMen was the best. And she was like. Everything is fucked. Like, they're, the weed that they're getting, they don't, like, it. they're buying old weed off, like, people trying to sell that. And then, like, they're they're buying little small weed companies and not even using them. They're just shutting them down just so they can either have the building or, like, they can use their grow. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And it's it's a weird situation when you have that much money. Like, the Jeff Bezos thing. Like, you said he went to his... Like, parents or his family asked for $300, $300,000. My mom does not have $300,000. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of moms don't have $300,000. Great point. Mm-hmm. So, like, how, how do you get to that point? I have dope ideas. I feel like I have cool ideas. And I feel like if I had, you know, this magic guy, maybe, like, a cool sugar daddy or something that I can go shake my ass for, um, <laughs> give me giant money for all my cool ideas. Sure. But that's not going to happen maybe probably not but it's like would I feel good even asking for that money
3: right and I think too I think the the way you're telling it is that like he he only had $300,000 he just started out with a tiny amount of three hundred thousand dollars that's so much money you're right you're so right like nobody's family has that to give them yeah it's a huge amount of money and then he kind of like didn't just sit in a garage like if you really want to like correct the joke but then if that's not funny at all right like
1: well i'm not here to do the actual bit no I, like those are the facts you know? <laughs> i know <laughs> so on the three hundred thousand, i just want to close that loop and say you're both right like most families don't have three hundred thousand dollars to give when you're like trying to make your dreams come true and now
3: he's like building mega yachts and having people like dismantle bridges so that he can sail them around the world like i just Mm. yeah he's crazy that guy as a
2: as like a kid as like a guy who loves video games that just is a degenerate i think it's dope that somebody can Use the world like a video, like he's literally (laughs) taking down a bridge and making super yachts. But then you go, okay, he's taking down a fucking bridge and ruining a lot of people's days, yeah, and taking a lot of money out of people's pockets. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that sucks. And that's like a part of growing up that I've realized that like a lot of my dumbass cool ideas that I thought were cool when I was a kid (laughs) can hurt a lot of people. And there's,
3: like, so much nuance in the world. It's like, damn, right? Yeah, damn nuance. (laughs) Like, there
2: could be so much cool stuff, but then there couldn't be. Like, I think that, like, imagine, because you know how, this would probably be a bad idea, but everybody has animals, right? What if zoos were just, like, not a thing no more? We just let them out. And then after, like, a couple people have to die. Mm -hmm. Bears get out. Tigers get out. It it happens. But eventually, (laughs) they become acclimated. And we just have a giant wild America with wild animals everywhere. And everybody's cool with everybody because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, tiger. just Yeah, don't go and by that And then the tiger. tiger sees a human. After a few generations, he's like, I'm
1: not going to go by a human. <laughs> but a lot of people are going to have to die for that. Mm-hmm. But, dude, that'd be cool. I mean, but long like, term, I feel like the government's already doing that with like, all kinds of different things that they're forcing us into to get used to. So the idea of us like hanging out with animals would be pretty sweet.
2: I do a lot of, so I have a, uh, I have a year pass. I get an annual pass to the zoo because I live a couple minutes away. And um so I like animals and I go there every now and then just to like by myself, just to, like if I'm stressed out or like, I'll just go chill. And um so there's this little, you for people don't know this. I didn't notice, this, but you know, you can get close encounters. You can like buy the extra ticket at the zoo and you just boom. I thought these were like a hundred bucks. No. $15, you can go spend five minutes with a penguin, right? So I've been going for the past couple like months and stuff, and I ask for the same penguin because my goal is for the penguins to remember me. <laughs> and her name is Kitsune, and it's like a dope little waddly penguin, and I still don't think she knows who the fuck I am, but <laughs> hmm, I'm going to keep on trying.
3: <laughs> she has a lot of fans. I'm sure. Probably. I
2: get it. I don't remember everybody either. Right. But that really hurts coming from a bird, you know? That you really, you're paying $15 to so this bird a lot. And uh-huh. that, you're just like, dude, the the handler's there. When I get there, they're like, what's up? We'll bring kid out. I'm like, I don't even have to, they don't even do like the whole like intro. This is where they're from anymore. They just see me. It's me by myself. you yeah. <laughs> at like Tuesday at 9 a.m. <laughs> and they're just like, what's up, Mike? You want to see the bird? And I'm like, yeah. Bring her out. I just get high as fuck. Just go see some birds. But then you realize that they don't give a
3: fuck about you. Mm-hmm.
2: No animal cares about you unless you have food. Truth. Yep.
1: Yeah. Maybe if you bring put a fish in your pocket when you, you can't. go to Oh, you can't bring loose fish. They let you give the they let you
2: feed them. But you see like the penguin is smart. The penguin sees the trainer giving me the fish
0: <laughs> and then
2: I give the fish to the bird. So I'm just like a table. For yeah. <laughs> You're a middleman. And The bird's like, that's the person with the bucket. (laughs) I'm gonna go chill with the person with the bucket.
0: Yeah.
3: I mean, some of my favorite times have been wandering around a zoo or an aquarium, just stoned on an edible. And aquariums
2: are really dope. Oh,
3: it's the best. It's just such a good reminder of how big everything is and how little we are, too. And that's a comfort.
2: Another capitalist thing Mm -hmm. that pissed me off because I fucking loved SeaWorld. I wanted to be the guy on Shamu going
0: crazy. Shoo, you yes. know?
2: And then you realize it's a fucking prison. Yeah.
0: And you're man. like, fuck. Yeah. Shit's
2: brutal. Yeah. I haven't been to SeaWorld since, but like,
3: uh,
1: damn. Dude, we took a boat. Uh, where were we? That, na- that reservation?
3: Um, oh, uh, up in Washington? Yeah. Yeah. We went out to Nia Bay. Yeah. yeah, Took a
1: small boat, very far out in the middle of the ocean with some good people, and I saw whales, like just living their lives in the wild. What kind of whales?
3: They were gray whales.
2: Yeah, are oh, the big boys?
1: <sighs> Dude, my my my
2: craziest ocean story was the first time I was in Hawaii, which is my favorite place in the world. Which is another thing, because you go to Hawaii and you're like, damn, I'm a white guy. I'm not supposed to be here. Mm. I'm just taking advantage of all this beautiful stuff, but then you're like, "Well, fuck it, I'm here. This is beautiful." <laughs> and then, um, so, but I played a show and ended up staying a couple of days after the show. And the promoter was, I was like, I had a whole bunch of money budgeted to go do like tourist stuff, and then I was like, "Hey, what if I just give you all the money and you just take me to go do the coolest things?" And he was like, "Bet, yeah, I got you." So him and his boys took me out to on a boat to this place they called the uh, the sandbar, which is like we were in like. Wai- like popular place waikiki i think it was and then we went out into this shore where you could see where we and we anchored you could see three different of the islands in this one spot and he i was on ketamine and um just having a great time and the guy who took me out there he was like mike or blunts um can you swim good and i was like what do you mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> very good
2: question.
1: <laughs> very good question Out of yeah. question. Let's get some clarification we're on in this. in the
2: middle of the ocean in Hawaii. What <laughs> you mean? Can you swim good? He's like, can you handle yourself underwater? Like, well. I was like, of course. What the fuck you mean? I'm from Florida. Goddamn man. <laughs> I could swim. Yeah. But he's like, okay. So he gave me some goggles. And he was like, just sit there and fall back. And I was like, okay. So I sit there and I I, on the boat. I fell back into the ocean. And as soon as I fell back and I opened my eyes, there was like three giant manta rays (gasps) just swimming underneath me. And I was like, this is the craziest thing ever. I felt like I was on Animal Planet.
3: Wow. Wow. It was
2: so dope. Everybody should go to Hawaii and then leave.
1: Pick up your trash and leave. (laughs) Go to Hawaii, do ketamine, swim.
2: With
3: manta rays if possible. Pick up your trash
2: and leave. That shit was nuts. Wow. I tried to surf there. I got bodied. But it was okay.
3: I do like to pick up your trash and leave just as part of, like, rave culture in general. Like, you know. It is so important. Yeah. Rave culture is, like,
2: so it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's, like, just, like, a giant, like, high school cafeteria. It's just, like, you have the guys that are, like, just really not giving a fuck. They're leaving their trays everywhere. You know, rave's over, party's over, but you're not throwing your milk away. Why? Um... Because the next guy's not throwing the away. That's why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's just that's a big problem. I, I do a lot of illegal shit, but I pick up my trash. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate that shit. Pick that's, up your trash. That's the name of this episode. Yeah. yeah pick up your goddamn trash. You're fucking right. Pick
3: up your fucking trash. Yeah. I used to work EDC uh on the production side for Live Nation just as like uh, a production. I guess one? Yeah. Word. And um it was a you know, awesome job just because I get I would get to be like just behind the scenes on that racetrack in a golf cart driving around all night and picking people up and dropping people off and so i would hear the whole show but i was never inside so much or i was just backstage and uh it just felt like well, my heart was always in my chest just like the thump of the music and the vibe of that event did you how was your experience like
2: my first edc that i went to i, I just went as like a patron and that was the first time like i sat I, like in the middle of it was like a observation booth in the middle so it was like in the middle of the track you could see everything and I turned around I remember having a moment where I I did a 360 I just turned around I was like I am surrounded I cannot see regular things like everything (laughs) is EDC and I've never been in a moment where I've like just been completely enveloped in something that everybody's just having the best time and this was before like COVID before everybody was just tripping and um it was just like so many people were having a good time I've never been in that it felt like church. It felt like worship. I was like, this is so powerful. But then when I played EDC Vegas, that was like they, it was the biggest set I ever played in my life. It was the most people I ever played in my life. So was, was your
1: time what was your time slot?
2: Uh I think I played at I, think I played at like eleven or like twelve. Oh, fuck dude. Mm-hmm. Just throwing a party. It was amazing. Yeah. It was super dope. And then my boys played right after me and right before me. So it was just like we just we were going in, but like when I Sit up on the booth and like looked out just to see a people. I cannot see the end, and the the feeling of that is like you just it's so overwhelming. But it's also like I also have a job to do. So I know I also have a manager who loves 1942. So he's just behind me. Just <laughs> so I have to make sure I manage my shots and not train wrecking the set (laughs) but like the pressure I used to fuck up a lot I still fuck up but like when I play bigger shows it's like the pressure gives you a superpower. it's like you can't fuck up because there's a lot of people and they're gonna be pissed off because they bought a really expensive ticket for some good music
3: and do you have like the were you on one of the stages with any of the like pyrotechnics so we
2: had a ton of fire wow we did a ton of fire. We got lucky with that because uh the fr- I played on the second day and the first day it was too windy to use any of the effects. So none of the for none of everybody on the first day didn't have any py- fire, like no pyro. So on the second day, I knew the guy who was doing front of house and he was like, We have a lot of extra fire. <laughs> I was like, For real? Can you-, you have to like you have to pay for all your effects for a set. Like so if I like they offer you like a fireworks package, a fire package, a pyro package, or like oh. shit, and you have to pay that out of your fee. And sometimes it gets really expensive. Yeah. So we bought, we bought like a. I think we spent twenty five hundred dollars on the fire, but we ended up getting like ten thousand dollars for the fire. That's awesome! That's awesome! Just That's just like cool to so know how much fire extra. costs. Wow, it is ridiculous <laughs> how much these effects cost. Every every like, psh, you see, just imagine, just dollars.
3: <laughs> 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 you remember, make, oh, please. Meditate. Oh, I was just gonna say, I think the first time I ever like saw what I thought were effects was when I can't even remember who it was, but they had a toilet paper cannon, and I was like, That's so cool. <laughs> it's like 15 years ago. I and like now, toilet paper cannons, yeah, it's fun, but now it's like, Yeah, you can actually do really cool shit. Imagine a fire. rave
1: with potato cannons <laughs> that would be crazy. Cannons potato indeed. chip
3: cannons, maybe? Oh,
1: that'd be fun. Lays all over the crowd, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I uh I was going to ask you because you're playing these bigger and bigger shows and like dreams are happening in real time. Mm-hmm. Um anxiety, things like that. Uh like how do you manage besides weed? How do you get ready? Do you have rituals are you superstitious? What gets you in the frame of mind that you need to be to deliver for the show? For the show and then like after the show too, you know, like So a
2: lot of the delivery comes before the show.
1: It yeah. comes like because
2: We're not playing instruments. It's a computer. So, like, a lot of it comes from being in your room and making sure that you really are in the right mindset to make fire shit for the show the next day or whatever, right? And we go up on stage, and obviously we have to do well, but most of the prep comes from, like, that. The butterflies I get before the show, the nervousness and, like, the self-doubt and, like, the just, like, I really hope I don't fuck up. At the end of the day, like, I just, like, I stopped being so nervous when I realized I was, like, I'm still going to play the set, whether I'm nervous or not. Like, love that. this is, like. You've put yourself in this situation. I'm here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the, like, the, it's, my name is on the flyer, and I bought the plane ticket. I'm not going to go up there and be, like, oh, I'm a pussy. I can't do this. Right. So, like, when you get up there and, like, after you do that every now and then or every, for a while. You like start to I wouldn't say gain confidence, but you start to like realize that you are competent. You're like, okay, I'm here for a reason. I can do this. I can do more if I wanted to. I could take more prep time. I could work harder. But if I'm like in a real situation like a shitty time, if I'm not in a good having a good day, I'm at this festival, I haven't slept, and I'm like, really don't want to play right now. I really like this is gonna suck. As soon as you play that first song, you're like this is my job.
1: Fuck And yeah. this is fucking awesome.
2: So are I
1: just heard the crowd scream yeah. in my head right now when you said play that first song. Lights come oh. up, you hit that. Oh my God. First song is always dope. There's so many parallels. I was a hockey goalie growing up. Oh okay. and so like the idea of being an island in the net world on your shoulders and then being on stage doing stand-up, same shit, different venue. So when I hear you talk about like you gotta do it either way, I see those parallels between being a pitcher preparing you. To play the World Series every fucking night, even though it's not baseball necessarily. Yeah. Like it,
2: I had a conversation with my friend yesterday actually about this, because he asked me a question. He was like, How does it feel to like do that? And I made the I made the uh comparison of like have you ever been playing a high stakes sports game? Like when like, you know, the whole town's out, they're watching you. You got all the girls you're trying to, you're trying to fucking not strike out. You're not gonna strike out because That pressure is going to put you on a next level. And I'm sure with being goalie, like, I've never played hockey in my life because we can't do that in the South that much. But I play a lot of chill, a lot of video games, and I play NHL. I'm pretty – I'm not the best, but I'm pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. But I tried, like, the whole, like, play the goalie version where you just just control the goalie. Yeah. And if you're playing online and your team's doing good, but you have a shit goalie,
1: (sighs) it's over. The
2: whole – yeah, <laughs> and you feel bad, and you're like, "This is all my fault." Yes, exactly. and then uh, I couldn't imagine being I go, "See, being a pitcher, I have a, I have a defense. I literally have a defense. You just are fucked. Like you have, you have giant men hitting things at a very fast rate." Yes, and you have all your teeth too. So that's cool. Thank
1: you. Uh, and, though, I would say on a deep level, what I'm learning about what that means to me is that I like to try and put myself in positions to feel like a hero. Feeling like a hero is pretty cool, actually. And when you can feel like a hero, it gets kind of addictive. And then you just I just want to do good with that feeling. So let me ask you a question. All right.
2: The hero thing. Like. I, this I've struggled with this because I feel like it's a bad thought to have. But all my life I felt like I was special. Like mm-hmm. I felt like I was the main character. I felt like I was like just sp- supposed to do something great.
1: Do you think you're addicted to that feeling? Yeah, I grew up thinking I was special, hundred percent. Yeah, and um, and like the problem with it was I had to have my ego fucking destroyed. Checked. to actually, like yeah, all the time. Yep, hundred percent.
2: Yeah, I still have to get it checked all the time, and that I have what keeps me grounded a lot is my homies at home. Like they like they don't treat me like blunts and blondes. They don't they don't we don't talk about this shit we just like we just do regular dude things when i I go home i don't have no like i have to go get my own diet coke (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's all it's, it's a nice little check
3: but that's something that i think i've really learned from any friend of mine who has um you know risen in terms of like success and fame i just have watched all of them really kind of lock down their trusted circle yeah to keep them I mean, it's so important to have that trusted circle. And I think when you, whenever you hear of anyone getting destabilized when they are really rich and famous, it's because they just didn't have that around them. They just had all of the, all of the enablers, right? Like all the people who were like, "I will get you your Diet Coke and tell you everything you need to hear." Yeah. yeah. I have like
2: when I first started touring, I like I, I was never, and I never had that. And mm-hmm. then they were like, when I first started touring, they're like, "Hey, like we'll give you this, we'll give you a ride, here's some free weed, just blah blah blah." Mm-hmm. And then I was, you know, 22, 23 years old, just on a whole bunch of drugs. I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I realized, th- I was like, my mind started to change and I got home. I was like, yo, where's my weed at? Yeah. Like, hey, yo, can you go get me some food? Uh-huh. And my boys were like, dude, shut the fuck up.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: no and it, was, it was a weird check for me because I had a situation it was a a pretty shitty situation. I like it was a Twitter situation where a lot of people were really mad at me mm. for uh um old tweets that I made. Uh and um it was like we won't go into it, but I don't really, but it's like <laughs> fuck that box. Mhm. But the whole like the it it made me I'm not necessarily on Twitter as much anymore because I like, I couldn't handle it. But it made me start to question if I was, like, a good person. Like, if I was, like, okay, all these people think I'm a bad person, like, maybe there's some truth to it. And I had to, like, check myself. I was, like, ego-checking myself. I was just asking my friends, like, yo, have I ever done anything to wrong you? Do I ever, like, boom? And they're always, like, no, dude, we love you. But, like, sometimes you do get, like, a little demanding. Sometimes you do get a little bit controlling of, like, the situation when you're not, like, we're just at home. And that was really weird for me too to to go through that. But it was I'm blessed to have to have done that. I think I think this whole Blunts and blondes thing that I've done and because like my whole my family doesn't do this like at all. They're just not in the music business. They they've never nobody's ever done anything like this in my family. So I had to learn. I'm learning all these new things and I'm learning how to be a man, which is like important to me. Yeah, because I just I feel like I need to do that to be just to be a good person. And I'm the weird ways I'm learning I feel like I'm learning good morals through like so much bullshit lessons that I never even thought would even happen. Like how to treat my friends, how to like I've been I've been offered so many different situations where like I can hire a new team that can give me different places, but I would fire my old team. And it's like, do you do that? Of course. I, I like. This is my day ones. Like those are my. That's my. We, we, these are my day ones. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah! Here and with you in the
3: studio. Fuck Right yes. next door, smoking. It's yeah.
2: like that is the. It's the best feeling having like, having this something that I made, be able to feed my family, feed my homies, and uh, that is what helps me a lot with the ego too. Like I was like, I'm mean, having all these people hate hate on me for something they like they might not even know about. Yeah, but. I just stopped focusing on that and started focusing on like the good that I was doing,
1: and it helped me out a lot. Damn. Wow. That's like a perfect segue for Buds of the Week, is it not?
3: Yeah. That is a good segue.
1: Goddamn. Yeah. Buds of the Week is when we shout out somebody, something that we want our listeners to fuck with because we want to celebrate somebody else and shine everyone. So we will both do our Buds of the Week if that gives you a moment to think of your butt of the week okay. as well for whatever it may be gotcha mm-hmm. cool I do two of
3: them? Um, yeah
1: what if I was like nah man you gotta like <laughs> then I have to pick one out. then
2: what? I have to then I have to
1: no way man it's your show no it's not <laughs> it's our fucking hang so do you want to go first or second please do as many as you want
3: I will go first okay. if you don't mind please. I just yeah well I want to shout out my friend Barzin who I did uh show with a long time ago in Seattle and he's on Broadway now um, doing a show called The Kite Runner and you can get your tickets. Uh, it's on Broadway through the end of October and you can follow him at Bars in Akhavan. Um, It'll be in the show notes. Um, he's just like a cool dude that I've known since Seattle days and he's kept going with his dreams and it's like so fucking hard to make it as an actor in this world, especially if you're like just really doing it from you know just being just pure talent <laughs> and he's doing it just from pure talent and he's That's on dope. Broadway and he's awesome. Damn. Yeah, so... That's my butt of the week.
1: That's a great butt of the week. I my like bu- plays.
3: Ooh, yeah. Yeah, plays.
2: Yeah. I like plays. Awesome. I like the cool. theater. It's,
3: yeah. I think it's a really good show, so I'll get you tickets.
1: Okay. Theater actor. You are?
3: That's what I went to school for, yeah.
2: You went to school for theater
1: acting?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: All
0: right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yep. My
0: butt funny. of the week
1: this week is Brian Wall. Brian, W-O-H-L. Brian Wohl, great comedian. Homie since day one in Chicago. And he is now on tour doing stand-up, opening for Lou Burger. If you don't know the band Lou Burger, it's a bunch of people from BuzzFeed, Try Guys, a bunch of homies. Shout out Huey. um, I'm just so excited that he's been grinding from Chicago to L.A., Doing stand up, doing improv, making things. And now he's going on a fucking banger of a tour, opening up for a monster fucking band. And uh, I'm just like really excited for him to have that experience. So shout out Brian Wool. Follow him now because his IG is going to be popping with all kinds of stuff from all over the country. Brian Wool. Hell yeah. Nice. Well, um, shout out my boy Plasma, P L S M A. You
2: can find him on all. You just Google SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple. He's my boy. Go listen to his music. Tell him to come up. My boy, Too Kind. T-O-O-K-I-N-D. That's the same thing. Just look him up. They're killing it. My boy, Laced. This is my boys, man. Just go listen to their music. Uh, Shout out my mom. Shout out my little sister. <laughs> Love y'all. So, shout out to my little brothers, too. Y'all are some pussies. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um as we wrap up with your plugs, I wanted to ask you um as you plug everything that people should should be fucking with yourself. Can you also add in there your perfect burger? Because I heard that you were a burger. Okay, so board.
2: I'm the burger, I'm the burgerman. Okay. I have traveled to only Mexico, Canada, and America. I have not been elsewhere, so I can only speak on these.
0: Um
2: I've been to my first like three or four tours. I did only burgers. Everywhere I got was just a burger because I was in the quest to find all the best burger. And um, so I had like the Juicy Lucy's. I had like, which is ass.
1: It's not good. I've never had one. I'm so surprised.
2: So it's just like you think you're going in there to get something nice, right? You ever bought into, been into like a pizza roll and it burned your mouth for a week? Mm-hmm. Same shit. Fuck. The cheese just busts open and you're just like, oh my fuck, this is boiling. <laughs> <laughs> and fuck. you don't like it. Um, there's this good burger in Portland that I thought was pretty good for a while, but, like, I'm basing burgers off just, like, I go into the store and I say, give me your best burger. And um, there's this one in Portland that had, like, some bacon, but it was, like, caramelized pineapple. They did it in a co- cool grill way, but it was just a good burger. I thought it was good. The best burger in the United States of the world, of America, of the world, <laughs> is in... This is gonna sound biased, but it's not. It's in Orlando, Florida. And it's called it's right across the street from Universal Studios. And uh, you can get it at this place called Junior Columbian Burger. And you go in and you get the double burger with everything on it with this side up pineapple sauce. And I promise you, it is insane like it's the best <laughs> burger I've ever had. I try I drive an hour and a half <laughs> to get this burger. Because fuck it, I'm not going to Universal. I'm going to get a cheeseburger, and I'm coming home. Fuck yeah. And it's just so dope. It's just like, it's the first time I ever had like, they have these, uh, I guess it's Colombian, but I guess they have these Colombian chips that are like uh, seasoned differently. They're like make their own chips, and then they, they crunch the chips up on the burger, and they have this like spicy mayo, what they put and the tomatoes were always really good. And I'm usually a plain burger type of dude. I like ketchup only. Ketchup okay. and cheese only. That's what I get pretty much everywhere. But I am with my boy and he was like, if you do that here, you can't. So just get everything on it and just eat it. And I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's there. That's where it's at. Damn.
3: That's the best burger knowledge that we've ever had dropped on this podcast. Yeah. That's it.
2: <laughs> I know a few things about a few things. Yeah. Yeah. Like Diet Coke. I love Diet Coke. Yeah. <laughs> Ice cold. Yeah, the best Diet Coke probably right now. I like Chick-fil-A Diet Coke, but I like it Uh, if you get a can. You know those old, they're like red plastic Coca-Cola cups that they used to get at like diners?
1: Yeah, where you can't see through them, but you can kind of see through them? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: The texture of that cup with ice all the way up to the top with the can on top, like the way the ice hits your lips and the cup, it's just bliss.
1: It's so dope. (laughs) This is one of my favorite episodes of all time.
2: (laughs) Me too.
3: Granular, (laughs) granular knowledge about cool shit. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do some plugs. Yeah, well, we're catching you on your way to... uh... Oh, no worries. That's no worries at all. We're catching you on your way to um, a festival this weekend, and then you're on tour later this year. So if you could just let everyone know where to find you.
2: But so right now you can find in the next two, three hours you can find me at the closest dispensary, I think. <laughs> Got you on that. But so never mind. <laughs> um Um so but after that I'm going to Hard Summer. I'm playing a hard summer for the second time, but I'm playing on like a the bigger stage and I get to see Megan Thee Stallion, so that's cool. Fuck yes. Never seen her. I heard she was a show, so I'm pumped. I wanted to stay an extra day to see see Lil Uzi, but I couldn't. So mm-hmm. I have to go home. But then um I'll be going on tour throughout all of America from October to January to the end of January. Ugh. And then next year, we just have a whole bunch of really cool, like, curated events. I'm trying to do my own, own events, trying to do some cool stuff. Awesome. So uh, hopefully that works out well. But yeah, that's pretty much it.
3: I can't wait to see you come. Uh, I can't wait to come and see you. I can't wait to see you come. I mean, Jesus. What are we oh, talking? It, it. That was a good it. one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, can't wait to see Rubbing you play. again. Wow, I got to go. <laughs> I thought about starting OnlyFans
2: for real and then like the height of things. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm, this could be a bag, but a quick bag with a lot of consequence. My grandma was definitely going to figure out that I had OnlyFans. Uh-huh. And I could not I live with myself. I already had to do it. Like she won't come to any of my shows ever. She she's so proud of me. She's like, "You're doing great," but she won't come to my shows because she doesn't ever want to see me smoke weed. She mm. like she doesn't at all. So she has yet to come to my show ever because. So I pretty much do. I like I my conscience is my grandma going. If don't do that, because that that's my dog. My grandma's my homie. Shit, and hell yeah. If I fuck, if I like, what's her name? Her name's Fran- Mary Frances.
0: Nice. Oh shit. Nice.
2: Yeah, she's dope. That's she just awesome. got cataract surgery. Uh, but she's seeing good now. Can we send her some weed? Uh, she would hate that. Yeah, okay. she doesn't want that. All right. Yeah, I tried to even get her on those like CBD shit just to try her out because I was like, just try, it. like, stop. Come on. But nope. Right uh. I don't uh, even think I would like smoking a bowl my grandma. I think she would just be weird after smoking it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you want to wind it down? Yeah, this
3: is a good place to bring it, bring it home, Mike.
1: Follow us at Weed and Grub on Instagram. Uh wg at weedengrub.com is our email, but don't send us anything weird there. That's what DMs are for. Um you can follow us on TikTok now at Mike and Mary Jane. Watch this on YouTube for sure for sure. Shout out to Top Tree Studio. Shout out to producer Mark. Shout out to Archie the dog sleeping next to Mary Jane's feet. And dude, thank you for hanging with us.
3: And stick around. Can we drop a track of yours at the end of this? Oh,
2: sure. Yeah. We do whatever you want. I'm sitting and chilling. Perfect. Thank you guys again. Thank you for watching. And I really appreciate you guys having me on this. Shout out Weed and Grub. Shout out all this shit. Shout out Weed. <laughs> for real. Shout out Weed. That's where it's over. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Bye everyone.
3: Bye.